Hi, I'm Tristan Miller, and you're listening to Positive and Negative, a podcast about the intersectionality between mental health and the arts. Today on the program, I speak with Gabby Dunn about her experience with bipolar disorder and how it's affected her writing. Here she is talking about accepting her diagnosis. I didn't um, accept it. So like I, I got told by a bunch of different therapists, like you have bipolar disorder. And I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> they were like, um, <clears throat> okay, but that's like what we think you have. And I was like, good talk. And like, didn't want to deal with it. Um, and my mom, my mom is on Lamic talk. Like, it's just all the clues. Like you're, you know, my sister's on it. Like, so, but I was like, no, no. And so, um, but then I had these like break, like manic, breakdowns and I would be like that's so weird but it's not bipolar just like I was just like no this podcast is made possible in part by patreon you can go to patreon.com slash Tristan J Miller to support this program and others like it and receive early access to the rest of this season as well as a myriad of other content for and about mental health all right let's get to this interview You do journalism. That's what you you started doing, at least, right? How'd you yeah, get into that? Yeah, that was... Uh, well, I mean, when I was, like, a kid, I wanted to be a writer, but I also mm-hmm. uh, didn't, didn't know that you could be a writer as a job, so I thought that journalist sounded like a job that you could have. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I liked like Superman comic books and stuff. So I always liked Lois Lane and I was like, oh, I guess like if you're a reporter, that seems fun and adventurous and whatever. So, (laughs) um, so I started doing, I started doing an internship in journalism when I was, uh, like 14 or 15 at the local paper and then like majored in journalism at Emerson, but majored in print journalism, which Mm -hmm. like isn't really a thing anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And then by my senior year, they were like, okay, we're going to call this multimedia journalism. Like, have you guys heard of Twitter? We were like, cool. Um, useful, fun. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So, and then that's just what I always did. But I, I was, I was always a writer, but I thought there was more money in being a journalist versus like, I couldn't figure out, like if you majored in English or creative writing, I was like, what's your job after that? Which like, there are, jo- like, yeah, there are jobs, but yeah. I just, I don't know. I was focused on what what potentially you could make money doing and then i chose journalism which is also not lucrative so (laughs) sure was writing in your family or like why writing and not like i know you do some acting too um Mm, was it like yeah what what was that my dad was a sports reporter uh in Mm -hmm. college but um he kind of he's like an addict and alcoholic so that was like you know his first job Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so he did, uh, he did sports journalism, um, and that was his major was also journalism, which is kind of funny. He doesn't, he writes now, but he doesn't, he never really did anything with that. And then my aunt is a novelist and she writes, uh, she's a writer too. So those were like the two, I mostly knew that she was a writer. Uh, so like <laughs> shitty to my parents, but like when we had, um, like, you know, bring someone to school to like bring an adult in your family to school to talk about their job day or whatever. Yeah. I would always bring her <laughs> and be like, she's a writer, like talk. And then she would come and give like a talk about being a writer and stuff. But okay. I never. Yeah, because I was always like, that's the cool job. <laughs> and so you she seen... was a good role model. Yeah. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's OK. 
Um, and you've since written a novel and a graphic novel, right? Yeah, my my um, podcast partner and I wrote two uh, YA novels together, mm-hmm. and then and then me separately, I wrote uh, a graphic novel called Bury the Lead, which was like so cool, and I got to work with Boom Studios, um, and it was just like a, a, I had been friendly with the people there, and I had pitched them a bunch of things. And they were like, none of this. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, what about something based on like when I was actually like a journalist when I worked at the Boston Globe when I was 19? And they were like, yes, that. So the book is actually sort of based on when I was like a intern at the Boston Globe uh, in like 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. Um, And I worked at the crime desk, even though I was like a literal teenager. (laughs) And uh, and so that's what the book is about is this girl who's like a, it's a, she's we aged her up. So she's 21, but she's like a college student who works at the crime desk. So I got to like merge my actual major with writing it into this graphic novel, which is cool. Yeah, that sounds really nice. Yeah, it was fun. It was like a good use of I was like, my experiences are useful. Like, look, <laughs> look, mom and dad, I used my degree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. And you are, uh, and forgive me uh, f- for this term if it upsets you, you're famously gay, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I have a, my, my, I had to make a company, like a S-corp to get paid for stuff. And it's yeah. called Noted Bisexual Incorporated. <laughs> so I, have, so yes, you're not wrong. Yeah. Well, that's like my friend, my couple of my friends, my friends Carly and Jenny started they would call me like famous millennial Gabby Dunn. And then they would be like, they would be like famous. And then it like grew to be like famous millennial slash noted bisexual Gabby Dunn. Like they added more like things to it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I I was like, okay, I'm going to lean into this. So it's Perfect. just like, kind of, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and like at the risk of treading over uh, a topic that has been stomped to death, what was like, uh, what was your experience navigating um your sexuality early on um well i just did this interview with the cut that was so funny where they were asking me about like early influences and Mm -hmm. i was like i really think like maureen from the show rent like really Mm -hmm. like just kind of was the only idea of like a bisexual woman that i ever saw Mm -hmm. uh and i was like it was adina menzel and she's beautiful and i was like she seems cool this seems great um, but I, I knew, like, I, I sort of knew, but I wasn't, like, out or I wasn't going to talk to people. It kind of seemed like something adults worried about. Sure. So I was like, I'll handle, like, I was like, this seems like a thing, but I'll handle it when I'm in 18. Like, I'll yeah. handle, this is like, you get, you, <laughs> like, you turn 18 and you can vote and buy lottery tickets and figure out your sexuality. Like, those are the, <laughs> you know, like, that's what you do once you're a grown up. Yeah. Uh, so I was buy like, a I'll pack of cigarettes and, and have sex with uh, anybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're like, you, I it was like, this isn't for a child to deal with. So I yeah. kind of was just like, whatever. Um, which is such a strange thing because I, I had boyfriends and stuff. Like, I wasn't like I thought dating happened when you were 18. I was just like, you get to like date who you want to date when you're 18. I see. Which what? Yeah. Um, so weird. But mm. yeah, and then it's nice because now a lot of the stuff I write, I get to like, I have a control so I get to write a lot of like queer characters and mm-hmm. I get to put like almost every character in the comic book is queer but it's like not about it's not about queer stuff um it's just so happens that that's like what I 
what I wanted to do. And it, and, and it happens more often, like I, you know, it happens more often than not where like with the YA novel, there was some pushback of like everyone in, because my comedy partner wrote one side of it and because it's about two different girls. She wrote one side of it, I wrote the other side. And people were like, on your side, almost every character is queer. And I was like, and they're like, that's not realistic. And I was like, I haven't talked to a straight person in years. <laughs> like that is absolutely realistic. Yeah. I had another question. What was it like to like transition? Because you'd always wanted to do like prop, like not proper writing. That's rude. Um, no, fiction, yeah. Yeah. Fiction writing to journalism, then back to fiction writing. What was that like mindset change like? Um, or is there one? No, it is because I think with journalism, I mean, I got creative. Like, it was fun to get creative with the writing of it. Mm -hmm. um, I still love interviewing people. I mean, that's why I do my podcasts because I just, I love interviewing people. I like hearing from different people. Um, but fiction, yeah, was like a different, I mean, with journalism, it's kind of fun because you're crafting this story and it's true. Yeah. And so you're like, what, you have no control. Like, you just report. So, like, whatever it ends up being, like, even if it's not narratively satisfying, you have to do it. Yeah. And it's like often sometimes better because it's not narratively satisfying because it's real. Whereas like, um, like I just read this crazy article today about this family where the, the this is dark, but the mom was murdered and they were trying to get justice uh, for the mom and they were doing all this stuff and they agreed to do this um, very uh experimental thing where they meet with the murderer and like actually talk to him and stuff and like rather than just him going to death row like a restorative justice kind of thing and so they agreed to do that and then the last minute the guy is like I don't want to meet with you and so they don't meet with him and then the dad dies of literally broken heart syndrome and I read that and I was like see this is like so unsat like you're reporting this and all you want is for the murderer to meet with the people because yeah. that's the story yeah. And then instead it ends with like the dad dying too. And that's so narratively unsatisfying. And so like, it felt like, and this is the wrong term, but it felt like blue ballsing. Like you were like, mm, ah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but, and so if you were writing it, you would obviously maybe as, a, as like a screenplay, you would, you would need, you would not do that, but because it's journal. So like, but then sometimes that feeds into better screenwriting or better TV writing because you don't give them what you want. Because so often in life as a journalist, I saw from my own stories, you you don't get what you want. <laughs> like that's yeah. the truth. Is like you go in and you think the interview is going to be one thing, and it's uh, and it's something totally different. Mm -hmm. Or you think you're gonna you're gonna be telling one story, and as you dig deeper and deeper, it's something else. And so I think like that that helps with with fiction writing actually. Yeah. Okay. That you don't makes get sense. what you want. <laughs> yeah. You're on medication. Uh, why? Why? <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, yeah. I have bipolar disorder. Oh, uh, mm -hmm. welcome to the family. I was going to say welcome <laughs> to the family. You're older than me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, uh, cool, cool, cool. Yes, yeah, so I, I have bipolar disorder. And so I, but that was a journey to get there. But because yeah. um, it's like so often misdiagnosed as depression, anxiety, whatever. So, mm -hmm. um, but then I got put on like, so I was on, you know, Zoloft and all that stuff. But then I, I got specifically put on Lamictal, which is for bipolar disorder. And that was a, a bit of a game changer. Bit of a game changer. Are you on that too? Yes. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. So that was that was uh, a way 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 more helpful. Yeah. Um, what was you? What was the journey like to get to that diagnosis? You mentioned that it was a pain. Uh, I'd like to hear more about it. I didn't um, accept it. So mm -hmm. like I I got told by a bunch of different therapists like you have bipolar disorder and I was like no I don't think so. 
<laughs> and they were like, um, okay, but that's like what we think you have. And I was like, good talk. And yeah. like didn't want to <laughs> deal with it. Um, and my mom, my mom is on Limic Talk. Like it's just all the clues. Like, yeah. you know, my sister's on it. Like, so, but I was like, no, no. And so, um, but then I had these like break, like manic breakdowns. And I would be like, that's so weird. <laughs> But it's not bipolar. Just like I was just <laughs> like, no. Crazy that it's like that. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, so like in 2016, I, I had one. And um, weirdly, they seem to go on the election cycle. Like I had a bad one in 2008 and then sure. on, in 2012 and then in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I look forward to my 2020 breakdown. But um, nice. Yeah. So uh, should be coming in November. But. Yeah, so there's like, uh, so so my friend took me to, I was having one in 2016, my friend took me to a psychiatrist and a new therapist, and she sat with me while I sat, went in, was in the, the sessions, and she told them all the things that I was like, would leave out or whatever, so mm-hmm. she told them all the truth, and then that was when I got put on Lamictal, so then finally I was like, fine. But you know, you can lie to a therapist. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but if your friend comes with you because you're in a manic episode and they tell the therapist the truth, uh, you're fucked. <laughs> so the trick is to not have any friends. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, she's she's kind of a mental health advocate. Per- it's the girl I do my podcast with. So she's like a, she's actually in school now to be a therapist. So that's great. Yeah. But it was like a whole a whole mess. Um, yeah. And then finally I was like, OK, fine. Mm-hmm. And then I went on medication for it and it was much, much better. Yeah, so maybe the 2020 breakdown won't come. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think like um, I just didn't want the stigma. Like mm. I didn't want I didn't want it in my file. I didn't want it in my chart. I didn't want my like worry because I'm I'm involved in in like leftist politics and stuff. My worry was that people would say, oh, she's only she's only like liberal or she's only leftist and socialist because she's crazy. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I didn't want my like worry was I would like say something about feminism and someone would come back and be like, well, that makes sense because you're insane. (laughs) And so I was worried. I really thought like I was like, this is going to undermine my my points. Yeah. And and how'd you get over that? Well, you just have to be like, if I if I wouldn't think that if I if I saw this happening to someone else, would I think oh, they're, they're just crazy. Like, mm-hmm. no, I would be like, the person saying that sucks. <laughs> so sure. if that's happening, you know, if that's happening to me, then I guess it just means that the person that's saying that sucks. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. I only really care about criticism if it's coming from people whose opinions I care about. So like, if a marginalized person is like, hey, you said something on your podcast that hurt my feelings, I care about that. But if someone's like, women belong in the kitchen or whatever Mm -hmm. i'd be like oh i don't care about you yeah yeah (laughs) but i so if someone was like your mental health diagnosis means you're crazy i'd be like oh you're an idiot and i don't (laughs) like you (laughs) but if someone you know but if someone was like the more more often than not people are like hey i feel really seen by this Mm -hmm. and like thank you i mean you know you do a podcast about mental health you obviously know that people are like craving community and content and like trying to Trying to feel like someone understands what's going on in their head. Yeah, yeah, 100%. When did the symptoms start, you know, presenting themselves? Was it there, like, since you were a young person? I don't, I'm not sure. Mm. Because my parents are weird with, like, information. (laughs) But um, 
Or they, they, it depends. They don't like, they, they seem to think that anything that ever happened to me is like a moratorium on them. So like I got stitches oh, when I was a kid and they're like, see. this means that <laughs> we were bad or something. My mom, more, let me say, not my dad, my mom, mm-hmm. um, Jewish. So <laughs> I, so she sent me, uh, she sent me this, like she, fa- I, I asked for like for old files from when I was like a kid mm-hmm. and she sent me some. And one of them was like a doctor's assessment of me. And it was like female child, eight years old, uh, uh, seems to like, and the doctor is like saying like about me at eight saying like this kid seems depressed (laughs) and like she, I'm getting like symptoms of depression from this child. Like we should look into this. And then like the next thing is like talking to my grandmother who was, who was with us and, the doctor was like, the grandmother reports that she is also hyperactive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and then I was like, hey, did did after this assessment happened, did anyone take me to therapy? And my parents were like, no. And I was like, sick. Cool, 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 cool. So, I mean, I, I don't know if it manifests that clearly in an eight-year-old. I don't think so. But that was like very interesting to me recently. And then a lot, of, like when I was like in college, I started... I, I like there was a period where I like couldn't really eat and couldn't really sleep and lost a bunch of weight and was like, you know, sometimes I would stay. I would like not do anything for like a month and then I would stay up for like three days in a row, like writing what I believe to be a masterpiece um, or like I. Uh, but but I would always be like, well, it's a it's great because I'm so productive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would have like massive depressive episodes but then that, that, then people said, oh, she's depressed. So then I went on, like, depression medication without, like, you know, treating the other side of it. And then when I was, when in 2012, I had, like, a, just, like, a breakdown. Like, I flew, <laughs> I write about this. So I wrote a book called Bad With Money, mm-hmm. which is based on my podcast, Bad With Money. And mm-hmm. um, my favorite chapter in the book is when I write about this breakdown. Because I had no, I had no money. Like, I had $800 to my name, maybe, and I flew to Paris on a whim and got there and was like, oh, I don't have any money mm-hmm. uh, or a place to stay or anything. So I kind of, like, figured it out. And then, but I was, like, complete a complete mess the entire time. Like, just drunk and, like, just a mess. Um, and then, like, was, like, clearly having some sort of psychotic break. Then I got... Uh, like mugged on my last night there so i flew back to the u.s with no money or credit cards or anything i had my id luckily but like nothing so like i so i couldn't eat or buy anything the whole time and then got to the u.s and then didn't have a metro card and then called my ex-boyfriend and was like you have to get me from the airport um so you know like and so then uh, uh, like after that it was like no, I still was like, no, I'm not bipolar. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've and i talked to other, it's so funny because I've talked to other bipolar people who have done the exact same thing. Like, not a joke. Like, they're like, yeah, I flew to Paris on a whim. Which, mm. like, I think maybe because we romanticize Paris or something and it sticks yeah. in your brain. I don't know. But, like, a few of them were, were, a few other people were like, oh, yeah, I just, when I was manic, I flew to Paris. And I was like, why is that what we do? <laughs> but, but, so, so it was, like, fully insane. And then, um... And and so then I just was like, yeah, and then I and then my parents came and I went home to my parents house for a month and they basically like instead of putting me in like a 
a mental hospital or a rehab or something. They just kept me at home. Mm-hmm. So they kept me. So they live in Florida. So they kept me in basically on house arrest in Florida for like a month. Um, and I wasn't allowed to see anyone or go anywhere other mm-hmm. than to yoga classes. And then um, and then I just like remember being like, I'm better now. And then going back to New York. And then uh, in 2016, like a similar thing happened again. And mm-hmm. then I finally went on medication. So there were like red flags. Mm-hmm. But I think in 2012, you know, again, like a therapist was like, this sounds like bipolar disorder. And I was like, no, people, <laughs> people will fly to Paris on a whim when they don't have <laughs> the money to do that all the time, lady. Like, what are you talking about? I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah, it was a total mess. Yeah. You, you and then other times, other times you write a screenplay in three days. So yeah. it really depends. Yeah, it's so. What's kind of frightening about it is like it just depends on where your your head's at before the mm-hmm. episode occurs, and you hyperfixate on whatever was going on in your mind, really. And sometimes it can be really productive, you know, like you said. You have no. That's the thing is that you have no control, which is what's yeah. scary. I wrote mm-hmm. like an s. So I wrote an essay about it, and I I remember I turned it in, and the woman editing it was like, wow, all of this stuff seems so random. Like, was there anything that 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 caused you to do all of this stuff? And I was like, yeah, lady, the topic of the essay, bipolar <laughs> disorder. <laughs> what do you mean it sounds random? Yeah, I'm, I was having a manic episode. Like, yeah. And she was like, can you explain your reasoning for doing this, this, and this? And I was like, no, I, f- yeah. I cannot. <laughs> like, 100%. What I don't have is an answer to that question. If I did, wow, I'd probably be a bajillionaire, but I don't. So <laughs> when you you were taking medication for just depression, did mm-hmm. that have the same stigma as the the mood disorders? Because you had mentioned that like you didn't want to go on medication, sorry, the mood disorders, the um Yeah, yeah, mood yeah. stabilizers. Yeah. No, I to me it didn't have the same stigma. Why? Cuz I I don't know, everyone's depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's like a different, but not really, because yeah. I think people think depression is like sad. Yeah. And and that's not the case. Like if you can be like, oh, I'm depressed, like haha, casual. Mm-hmm. OK. But for me, and I'm sure maybe this is a bipolar thing or maybe this is just what depression actually is. And people just don't know is it's like physical pain. Mm-hmm. You're in physical pain, like your body hurts. You can't you can't talk yourself out of the logic that's happening in your mind. Um and you're like, I mean, it's just, it's so much more that like you're shaking, you can't eat like, or, or you're, you know, there's, you, there's so much more to it than just like, I'm sad. Um, and it's this weird, it's like a deep, like gut punch. Sad. It's like a, a hollow sad or something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's so much different than I think people think it is. And there is illogical thinking there too, not just with mania, but there is the thinking of like, at least for me, it's like. Uh, this it makes sense for me to drive my car off this cliff right now. Mm-hmm. Like you just kind of like, but you talked yourself into it. You're like, this is this makes sense. This is right. Yeah. Which is that thing that people say where they they're like, I just talked to this suicidal person. They seemed great. And it's like, yeah, because in their mind they're like, this makes total sense. I'm glad to be accomplishing this later. Like, yeah. um, rather than I think this the thing that you normally see, which is like in movies and stuff, which is like the person like hysterically crying when they kill themselves or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Do you find now that you're on uh, medication, it's easier to work? I mean, I, 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 <sighs> I don't know. Because I, I don't, I, it's hard. Because I don't want to be like, wow, I've really been productive. Yeah. But like, I wrote a whole script in an evening. Uh, mm-hmm. One time I, 
but you're not sleeping and you're not eating. Um, I definitely finish these these books. Like I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be like, oh, Van Gogh, he made his art from his mania or whatever the fuck because he did die. But yeah, I don't he's, know. Yeah, he's not a good poster child. He was missing teeth. He was homeless at various points in his Absolutely. life. Absolutely, and he it, shot himself. Like mm-hmm. he was eating paint. <laughs> like. Can yep. we pick somebody else? Can we pick Catherine Zeta-Jones, for the love of God? Yeah. Oh, is or she bipolar? Mariah Carey. <laughs> Are they bipolar? Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um. But what I meant, um, I'm sorry, I should have phrased the question differently. Now that you're on medication, do you find your relationship with creating things different than before? Like, do you... Um. Yeah. I mean, I think I. it was sort of... I. I yes well okay so I was trying to talk about this because I think people think that if you're on medication you don't have the impulses yeah anymore but I don't know if this is the same for you but I it's like a train track it's like two tracks and one is blow everything up kamikaze your whole life ruin everything like go ham about whatever and the other side is like why don't we not Mm -hmm. and (laughs) I'm the train is going and I know that this side is what I want to do. The kamikaze, everything and ruin your life is what I mm-hmm. want to do. But I have, but the medicine gives me a 10 second delay in which I can pull the lever and mm. go to the other side. So mm. the, it's not like the other side, it's not like the bad side, bad quote unquote side stops existing. It's not like I, I suddenly have, I'm, I'm on a track and I have to go the way that is more reasonable. I just have 10 seconds now that I didn't have before where I can go, nope, don't do mm-hmm. that. And so I'm going often against my instincts mm-hmm. because I have to accept that my instincts are uh, bad for me. <laughs> bad for me. Yeah. So yeah. I, so within that, it's useful in the sense that I can, I can still write about, like I write a lot about, you know, this this other side or like I can still access it or n- you know know what it what it's gonna what would what I would do or what I don't know so like I I think like I I'm not as intense and I think I maybe I'm making less stuff than I would make but I'm happier yeah um and I'm still m- very productive and like make a lot of things mm-hmm. but um I just I can make those things and also not like end every relationship and friendship I have uh, because of a perceived slight that I have blown into something else. Yeah. Do you think that uh, being manic has ever gotten in the way of you being productive, like making things? And I, I hate mm-hmm. to like, you know, this is no about- because it's very capitalist, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. Productive. Yeah. yeah. You know, no, I'm glad your you. self-worth and your, you know, you're you're yeah. feeling good about you. That's more important. But, you know, this is about art and making art. Um, but has it gotten in the way of like making? Well, and yeah, writing? because yeah, because you're scattered. Yeah. You're like, you're like, oh my God, I'm writing this one thing. Wait, I should learn Japanese. Wait, I should, <laughs> you know, oh my God, what are grad schools in Scotland like? Like yeah. you're, you're, you can't focus. Like your brain is, and sometimes it's really um, misdiagnosed as ADHD or yes. ADHD is misdiagnosed as bipolar disorder because it, it's very similar in the sense that you like can't, I mean, you sometimes you laser focus and you're like hyper focused, but other times you're just like all over the place. Like you can't even finish a sentence. Like you're talking about one thing 
and then you jump to another thing and then I've had friends be like what are you talking about now and I'm like oh sorry this is a movie and they'll mm-hmm. be like five seconds ago you were talking about something that actually happened and I'm like yeah 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 and then this and then what if this happened and they're like did that happen like it's just very scattered um, and so I think it has gotten in the way because I have a lot of starting started projects and stopped projects and I have a lot of stuff that I'm convinced is brilliant. And I'll write like 11,000 words of like a novel that I think is going to change the world. And then I look back at it and I'm like, no, you just spent two weeks on this and it's gibberish. <laughs> like, I think. Um, yeah. But you know what? They used to publish gibberish. Naked yeah, Lunch they- is gibberish. <laughs> Why aren't they publishing my brilliant gibberish? <laughs> this is bullshit. Uh, what People to do used to just take as. And yeah, people. Eggs. Exactly. People yeah. used to just take LSD and write garbage, and people would sure. publish it. And I, so in my mania, when I'm writing full word salad, why yep. aren't they publishing that and saying I'm a genius? Mm-hmm. And I get it naturally. I didn't yeah. have to use chemicals. What's the What's the deal with that? Exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I assume the uh, the depression has gotten in the way, also. Yeah. Yeah. I had a I had sold a project and then it was a I sold a project about mental health and um and in the middle of writing the script I had like a full two month like suicidal breakdown and mm-hmm. I had to email the like network and be like hi so remember this thing you bought <laughs> it's true I can't write this right now I want to die <laughs> and they were like and they were very kind they were like mm-hmm. oh yeah like that's fine like we'll extend the deadline like it's okay because mm-hmm. I was like. Because I, I, they bought this project. So I was like, hi, you know how the girl in this wants to die? Turns out it's real. <laughs> I um, Always has been. <laughs> yeah, it's me. Uh, I am her. Uh, I have to, I can't do this right now. Mm-hmm. And so I just took, I, I, and like, I'm so lucky to be in a position where they were like, okay, like, we'll wait. And so they just pushed it. And then I also like, I, I, I got a friend. To, I, I had them hire a friend to co-write it with me because I was falling apart. Like, I, I we worked it out. Mm-hmm. It almost was like like disability, like yeah. which is like a, something that I think I struggle with because I've had people put me on lists of like favorite disabled creators or yeah. whatever, and I'm like, well, but I yes, I have bipolar, but I don't know if I would categorize it the same way. I struggle with it, but yeah. but I'm like, well, I mean, I had to stop working, and my friend had to. I hired my friend to help me write it, and basically because it was, I could like we used it like I would like she was sort of like okay what's happening for you right now mm-hmm. and I would describe what I thought what I was thinking what I was feeling and then she was like okay here's how we can so like some of the stuff that the characters say is like stuff that I was really believed and was saying at the time and she was able to like help me put that together um so yeah but I so it was like I tried to make it useful but yeah, I, I there's been times where I was just like I can't, yeah. and then it's taken you know. But other this time it, it, the the network was fine. Other times you know it's been jobs or, um, like projects that I just like haven't been able to to do. I mean, luckily I like when I flew to Paris, I had a job at like a blog that was, I say in my book, um, people often took two weeks off for cocaine. So, <laughs> so me like disappearing for two weeks was like fine. It was like a hipster workplace. Yeah. So they were like, so they were like, when I came back, they were like, yeah, whatever. Like you're back. 
mm-hmm. and it was fine. So I've I've been lucky in that way, but I also have been fired. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a hard balance to find because you want to you want to be able to fit into the system that we have because it's the mm-hmm. system that we have, and you want to be you know not homeless or you know mm-hmm. doing well but on the other hand you also want the system to like move a little bit towards you and be a little bit more understanding and sometimes yeah. that's just impossible in in a corporate or like capitalistic i mean i've definitely gone through like i've definitely been fired and i've definitely gone through and i like kind of talk about this on the podcast and and in the book i've gone through periods where both in depression and mania where i sell everything i own <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> uh, like because I realized that like I'm not going to be able to work and that shit's about to go down. So I'll be like, so I'll just start Craigslisting every <laughs> single. E- I'm not joking. Like everything in my oh. apartment. Like I've put. I've like Craigslisted like, uh, like here's my soap. Like buy all my soap or like I've Craig like true like unopened soap or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll be like, I'll be like put everything individually, like individual pe- like pieces of jewelry or like individual like you know like little whatever and i'll just go through i like started putting everything i owned like last year when i was depressed i was putting everything i own on ebay i just sold everything uh like sell like i had like a coin collection i just individually sold and mailed out like 50 i'm not coins coins like went to the (laughs) like was and in my mind i was like i'm doing a great job (laughs) <laughs> and I like sold my couch, sold my, sold like my TV, sold like a bunch of, like, I just like, and so periodically my friends will be like, what happened to all your things? And I'll be like, I sold all of them. And they're like, why did you do that? And I was like, I don't know. So I've never, like, I've definitely had my fair share of money problems because of bipolar disorder, which I've talked about in the podcast and in the book. But like, but like, I've always been able to get out of it because I'll just like, sell every lamp i own like it's so (laughs) weird yeah at least you have the good sense to sell it i just give it away i'll like give (laughs) my friends what i perceive as gifts that they might want and they're like thank you so much for this funko pop that i didn't (laughs) ask you for at all but thank you uh Mm -hmm. thank you for 12 books that i'm not gonna read um but it's bad. Like I've sold like stuff that belonged to my grandmother, and it's oh, like, why? Why did you do that? <sighs> yeah. And that's because I was I was going through it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned earlier your your partner checking in. Is that often the case? How much do you rely on like a support system to check in and make sure you know where you're at with your mood? Um, it's mostly my. I have a, a younger sister who lives out here with me in L.A. Um, not with me, but lives in L.A. And um, it's a lot of her checking. Mm-hmm. She's very overbearing and she's very intense. And so like if I if I like sleep an hour later than she perceived, like she'll be like, hello, are you dead? <laughs> like she's very <laughs> intense. Um, and when I was like going through my thing, I was jokingly calling her the suicide squad. Because I was like, she's just like there to like sleep on the couch and be like, knock, knock. Are you alive? And um, and I and like she's a she's a lunatic, but like in a lot of ways, she's incredibly helpful and like good in that way. Yeah. Where she will like kick my door down and be like, get mm-hmm. the fuck up, bitch. <laughs> like is very um, 
she's crazy. She's she's actually terrifying, but in a way that is like helpful, I think. Sure. Um so it's a lot of time it's it's her who I think is very attuned to what's going on with me and is very like are you are you okay? What's wrong? What's going on? What's happening? Um which can sometimes be like it's it's like a double-edged sword cuz sometimes like she was visiting, she was staying at my house with me for a little bit and it started to like a week in I was like you need to crawl out of my asshole. Like leave me alone. But like I get why she's scared. She's witnessed like four different times where I've been like I wanted so like I get why she's overbearing about it, but also sometimes I'm like can you you're following me. You're literally following me. But I think people yeah. are ter- scared. They're scared if they take their eye off you, something's going to happen. So, like, I get it. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, what other techniques do you use to circumvent it? You're on medication. You have your mm-hmm. sister up there. Do you go to therapy still? I go to therapy. Yes, I go to therapy on the phone now. Yeah. Uh, I have psychiatrists. Um, I, I uh, sometimes, on and off, go to Al-Anon, um, which is, like, Alcoholics Anonymous for family and friends of, of alcoholics. Mm-hmm. So it's like a support group. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's good. That was support group was good because it's not particularly a bipolar support group, but it's for my father's an alcoholic and an addict. So it was like good for that. And it's the kind of thing where you think regular therapy is is good alone. But I think sometimes with groups, it's good because I went into Al-Anon the first time being like, my problems are so unique and special. There's no possible way anyone could understand what I go through. And then you walk in and people start sharing and it's literally your exact life story. And you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm (laughs) you're like, oh, I'm not special at all. This is the way this manifests in literally everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was helpful to me. Mm -hmm. What was it like growing up with your father uh, with that temperament? Um. It was, it was, it's a weird, interesting thing because he wasn't, I didn't, I mean, my, my sister had a different experience. I, I wasn't, like, I thought he was a lot of fun. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't have any concept of, um, like, I, I, I wrote a short film about this, but it was like, that's on YouTube called Love Me Do. But it was like a thing where he let, he let me drive the golf cart when he wanted to go golfing because he wanted to drink. So when I was nine, I drove the golf cart. He, he let me like, uh, you know, he took me to bars with him and I got to like sit on the stool and eat chicken wings. Like I, I had a great time. Yeah. Like I was loving it. My mom terrified every second. And like, I, I thought, I mean, growing up, I thought she was, and I've talked about this. I thought she was a buzzkill and he was cool. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't the like typical scary dad alcoholic thing. It was like, I, I mean, yes, I felt I definitely felt pressured to be cool. Like he loved roller coasters. And when I was like five, I was really scared. But I went on every ride with him because I didn't want I didn't want him to call me a scaredy cat, which like, you know, only like a I think like there's something fucked up about a dad who's going to call a five year old like a chicken, you know, yeah. like. But um, so there were things that were like in retrospect messed up. But, like, a lot of it was just, like, he was a thrill seeker. He was a risk taker. He was fun. Take his hands off the steering wheel and let me drive. Like, very. Mm-hmm. And so I was, like, dad's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and but now, like, kind of looking back, it's, like, your parent, it should be a parent. They shouldn't be your friend. 
Yeah. And I think that was like a big missing component that kind of is still missing where he's like, he's a cool friend. He's certainly not. I don't really think of him as like, he's not like my dad, Mm -hmm. but he's like this cool older guy that like I know (laughs) and lived with. (laughs) Sure. So that's strange. Do you think that kind of has to do with your reluctance to, you know, seek treatment right away? You know, yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. definitely. Because it's like you're you're fun and cool and why yeah. is everyone being a down why is everyone being a downer? Yeah. You don't want to be a stick in the mud for you. Yeah. You know? Why is everyone being yeah, why is everyone being a downer? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that was I think maybe definitely a part of it. And my mom also having bipolar disorder and sort of being like, Well, I'm not like her. Like I'm cool like him. Mm-hmm. But now looking back, I'm like, Good lord, woman, like you were <laughs> You were like barely holding it together. Like, lady, like you, what? How fucked up is like you're trying to keep your kid alive because your husband's insane. And then the kid is like, you're, you suck and dad rules. <laughs> like this poor girl. I was like, mom, oh my God. Like now I'm close with her and so nice to her because I'm like, oh yeah. my God. Like, I am so sorry. Oh boy. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. Yeah, um, I feel bad for her every day. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of getting older, too. Of like, like I'm older, I think, than my parents were when they had me at this point. Yeah. No, my like, and that's are weird to think about. And I think about <laughs> getting older, you're like, wow, these people really stuck their neck out for someone that potentially could have really sucked, you know? Yeah. I know my parents are old. My parents are old parents. Like, mm-hmm. they had me when they were older, like, uh, late 30s, early 40s. But oh, wow. Okay. I... Uh, yeah, I have, it's a whole fucking thing. I have two older brothers that my dad, I, my dad has four kids from three different women. But, um, you know, he's fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so he, they're older. So I don't have, a, I don't have that, but I do have like a lot of, I'm like, I'm like very nice to my mom now because I understand that mm-hmm. not only did she have that, but she also had, like a kid who was like, I want to go with dad. I want to mm-hmm. stay with dad. Dad's mm-hmm. fun. Dad's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how are you holding up now? We're recording this during quarantine. How are you holding up? Did men- Let me try this question again. <laughs> it's, gosh. It's, uh, it's, oh, I tell you, it's intimidating uh, interviewing an interviewer. Oy. Um, no. How has the quarantine affected your mental health? Um, in the beginning, I was really in denial and I mm-hmm. really hated it. And I didn't want, I, I even seeing people wearing masks, like bum me out. Like I hated it. I was like, mm-hmm. no. And I kept telling myself, you know, lies where you're like, this will be done in two weeks. Yeah. Or like, no, this will be done in two weeks. Um, working from home has actually been lovely. I think working from home, but, um, and I don't really have like hypochondria or anything like that. Like my partner does. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like, uh, I think it's nice to not drive out a lot of these things that were formalities that I never really understood or, or hated. I don't have to do anymore, which is cool. Like driving out to Santa Monica to like do a half hour general meeting and then driving two hours back yeah. dressed up where it's like, why are we doing this weird human ritual that like, who cares? So mm-hmm. now I'm just like in a t-shirt doing meetings all day and it seems more productive to me yeah um but yeah i mean there's uncertainty but i've mm. kind of i've just sort of like it it's act maybe actually 
a little bit good for mental health because I'm like, it is what it is in the most way it possibly can be. Oh, it is yeah. what it is. Like you have no control. Yeah. And there's a couple of bad things that happened in a row. And I just like at one point was like laughing because I was like, can you like we're in a fucking quarantine. Like can, what else? What else? <laughs> Give me something else. Yeah. Um, so it's your fault. Do, it's your fault that things have been going because you dared God. To, no, I'm kidding. I But I kind of if I was manic, I would believe you. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm joking. I know joking. if I was manic, I would be like, you're right. Um, yeah. I did cause this. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. So um but I also, I mean, all all the politics, all the stuff you see on Twitter, all the quarantine, everything, 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 Black Lives Matter, all of it. Like I, I'm very, I got very involved in, um, in Justice LA and mm-hmm. um, and in um, White People for Black Lives and stuff like that. My part, I'll like go to these meetings on Zoom, and then my partner will come in and be like, "What's wrong with you? Why is your face like that?" And then, and then yesterday they were like, "Oh, did you just spend two hours listening to everything bad happening?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes, I did." Yep. So. You're surrounded by it's hard. It's really hard. I'm trying very, very hard not to like fall into it. I want to like stay informed, but also not fall into a depression. And I'm trying to figure out the line there. Yeah, I I think a lot of people are in that mode, too. Certainly I am. I I really try to limit like not necessarily my Twitter use, but like the amount of time each chunk is. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I can be on for five minutes and then I got to take a break. But it's good for me to hear this stuff for a couple hours and like help and like do these actions. Mm-hmm. But it's also like I think an hour after that, I need to just like lay in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Selfishly, I'm trying to finish a bunch of writing projects. How do you get through like writer's block or any sort of obstacle when you're finishing a, a written project? It doesn't have to be good. It just has to be done. So it's a job. So I mm-hmm. think of it as a job. Like you just have you just have to finish it like and then once it's finished you can go back and make sure it's good but you can't you can't edit a draft that isn't there Mm -hmm. so write it and it's if you think it's bad it's bad but finish it in its first bad form look at it and then go okay how do i make it better um you can always go back and change things but i think like you can't you can't have something to fix if you don't have the thing Mm-hmm. So I'm just like sometimes like really with the bad with money book, I sat at my computer with the the page open and I just went type, type, type to type, type, type. And I just started typing because I was like, I have to have like, OK, like I have to just have the book. Like if it's not good, fine. But like I have to just have it so I can go through and and fix it. And like we did. We moved everything around, cut whole chapters, all this stuff. But I was like, OK, what do you want to say? Here you go. Here's what you're trying to say. And then and then it was like. I just was like, you just, you just have to finish it. And then, and then you have to, and like really even starting, I was like, put words on a page, put, do two pages of words. Great. Do three pages of words. Great. And a lot of it is in my mind, I'm, t- I'm writing and I'm writing things, but in my mind, I'm like, type to type, 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 just keep <laughs> typing, just keep saying things, go, 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 go. Um, so it just has to be done. You just have to finish it. And then you can go back and make it look. If you're trying to be if you're trying to be perfectionist during the process, it's not going to you're never going to do it. Mhm. Mhm. 100%. Uh what would your biggest piece of advice for someone who is facing uh, a recent diagnosis of bipolar disorder be? Don't put things on yourself. Like just have the diagnosis. Don't also be like, "And I'm bad for having the diagnosis." 
Like just have the diagnosis. Like you don't have to you don't have to then also struggle with your own stigma and your own personalized like internalized ableism about it, you know? Yeah. You're just you just it's just it's like if you had like a broken leg or it's like if you you know like if you if you had like a I don't know, like if you if you were like I need gl- I mean I, like my eyes are a certain way and I need glasses. You know? That mm-hmm. them's them's the breaks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I have everything I need on my end unless there's anything you didn't say that you want to say. No, I think give- no, I think that was great. Good. No, I appreciate it. Great. Um, well, do you want me to Oh, go for it. No, I was just going to say thank you very much for being on. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. 